Hello everyone and welcome to our first episode on migrant worker rights in Europe. You did not know that that was a topic? Well then stay on and listen to understand why there are important human rights violations that need to be tackled. In today's episode, we are talking about the urgent need to address concerns of care and health workers in Italy specifically, and a new report by Amnesty Italy about health and care workers during the pandemic. The report, called Muzzled and Unheard in the Pandemic, is part of a series of research conducted by Amnesty International in various European countries on the impact of COVID-19 on the rights of essential workers, most often migrant workers uh, from Eastern Europe. Today we are talking to Deborah Del Pistoia from Amnesty uh, Italy. Deborah, may I ask you to uh, introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you, Mira and Giovanna, and hello everybody. Uh, so I'm Deborah. I work as a researcher for Amnesty International Italy. Okay. Uh, we're very happy to have you here today. Uh, you're the researcher behind this whole report I'm speaking about. You're also a human rights activist and advocate. Also with me today is Joanna, a country coordinator at Amnesty UK for Western and Northern Europe, Europe and equally a human rights and employment law lawyer. Would you like to introduce yourself, uh, Joanna? Hello everyone, I'm Yavana, I'm from Amnesty UK here in London, the main campaigner for uh, employment rights in the EU, uh, Western and Northern Europe, and I've been campaigning on this particular uh, report since it was issued by Amnesty Italy, so I'm really happy to be here today and talk to Deborah and Mira. That sounds super. Um, well, we're happy to. Well, I'm happy to lead the interview with you, uh, Joanna, today. Um, thank you, uh, the both of you, uh, for introducing yourself. Well, now all is set and introduced. Let's jump right into the topic with our first question to Deborah. So, in October 2021, Amnesty Italy issued a new report report calling for the urgent need to address concerns of care and health workers in Italy. Tell us what and who is this report about and what are those urgent needs they are, we are speaking about here? Yeah, actually, um, Amnesty International Italy first started uh, an in-depth work on uh, human rights violations in care homes for older people uh, during the pandemic in Italy, um, parallelly to other European countries, notably the UK, Belgium and Spain, that was during the summer 2020. This work actually led to the release of a first report, which was called Abandoned, focused on the violations of fundamental rights um, in social care homes in Italy, such as the right to life, the right to health, the right to private and family life, the right to non-discrimination and the right to not be, to be subjected to inhuman and degraded treatment. Um, uh, during this first research, we identified major concerns um, and in particular, we unveiled how the Italian authorities at the national, regional and local level have taken decisions that, uh, in a way, uh, directly violated those rights, but also uh, contributed to that. Uh, and actually, we, we identified um, very a, a lot of several, uh, I mean, several major concerns regarding like how older people were treated in those uh, care homes during the pandemic. Among them, one of the major concerns was the, the, the issue of staff shortages and uh, the condition, the working conditions in which uh, care 
and uh, health workers were, I mean, forced to 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 conduct their their care work. Um, so this uh, issue um, is one of the major long-term concerns uh, that is facing the social care sector in Italy, um, and it is um, um, it is something that we uh, continued monitoring after the release of our this report all along mm -hmm. 2021. And actually, we found uh, that not only the working conditions in care homes uh, didn't improve with the second and the third wave, but in some cases, this, those conditions worsened, mainly uh, due to the increasing shortage of workers, uh, and also in regions where the, the pandemic were, was, uh, was managed a little bit better than in others during the first pandemic. Actually, the staff shortages uh, was really, uh, really hard during the second and the third wave. Um, so we decided actually to uh, concentrate, to focus our attention on, on, on this particular issue um, and to document this crucial topic, uh, releasing also a new report that, that is focused on the need to address uh, health and care workers' urgent needs in regard to the improvement, first, of their working environment and conditions as well as uh, the health and safety measures within uh, within care homes. Um, so in a way, uh, the needs of health and care workers are very closely linked, of course, to the rights of all the people, uh, which are the weakest uh, segment of the society in one of the oldest countries in the world, for sure, the, the oldest country in Europe. So a very important segment of the society. And this was particularly important to tackle because the COVID-19 had a very huge toll on both older people in care homes and the staff that was taking care of them. And um, our, with our report, we also identified that many health and care workers raised serious concerns regarding their safety, their health, and the unjust working conditions during the pandemic. They were silenced for doing that and their concerns were not, uh, were not heard, and actually they still remain unheard today. Finally, um, it is worth mentioning that these research works have been conducted together with our colleagues from the crisis team in the case of the first report, and with the European Regional Office colleagues concerning the second one on workers. Thank you very much uh, for that introduction. Um, now we really know who we're speaking about, um, and I totally relate. I think um, the media reportage on um, people live, uh, working in care homes as well as living in care homes and how what the situation is like increased a lot during COVID-19 and obviously that had to do with the increased focus on health politics and health um, in general. So now to get more into the report, as I said before, um, the report is called Muzzled and Unheard in the Pandemic. Um, so could you tell us more about the name of the report? How did it happen that Amnesty uh, Italy decided on this name and uh, who um, is muzzled and unheard? Yeah, uh, I'm quite aware that the title of the report is quite strong uh, and actually it is really linked to the very focus of our findings because uh, namely uh, in that, um, namely the fact that in many cases care and health workers and trade unionists uh, who raised concerns regarding poor and unsafe working conditions during the pandemic were not heard by the employers neither by the authorities. So they were, we said that they were muzzled, so silenced 
they were silenced instead of being uh, of being heard. Um, mm -hmm. that, that happened through disciplinary proceedings, including dismissals, uh, and also other kind of retaliations by their uh, employers, uh, both private and public, without any difference, just because actually they tried, they reported the uh, wrongdoings in their workplaces, both to the judicial authorities or to the media. Um, and as I said, that, that happened both in public and private care homes. Um, uh, both of them prevented uh, the, their workers from enjoying the rights to freedom of expression and to freedom of assembly. And um, actually, the report, uh, puzzled and unheard, uh, include dozens of testimonies of health and care workers, uh, also trade unions and lawyers who raised concerns about the climate of fear and retaliation in the workplace, in particular during the, the COVID pandemic. Um, actually, while uh, uh, some of them were subjected to disciplinary proceedings, including dismissal after uh, reporting the, the wrongdoings, uh, other reported also that the climate of fear in the workplace and the risk of retaliation from their uh, employers um, uh, kind of discouraged many others to uh, to speak publicly about unsafe and unhealthy working conditions in care homes. And actually, we think that, I mean, this appears absolutely to be a part of a broader pattern of uh, targeting people because just they were trying to challenge the uh, ill-conceived policies and practices um, of, of care home management. I, uh, something that also confirms this pattern is the fact that all interviewees decided to speak anonymously in order to avoid further repercussions for their for what they they, they were saying. Um, and those testimonies look even more worrying in the cost in the context of a pandemic because I mean it is well established if you want the, the freedom of expression and trade unions activities can really improve improve health and safety conditions at work. So we, we think that, I mean, it, it was really um, very uh, shocking to, to hear those, uh, those testimonies. And um, I think it is really worth mentioning that in several cases, the judicial authorities, even more recently, in Italy are acknowledging that the, those uh, disciplinary dismissals or proceedings uh, have been unfair. Um, so in, in, in some cases also emphasizing that sharing information on uh, wrongdoings of, uh, to judicial authorities or to the media was of public interest because it could have prevented the spread of the virus in the care homes. Um, and also reporting breaches to the law of the law to the judicial authorities can't be considered uh, a legitimate reason for, for a dismissal. Mm -hmm. In our report, we, are, we, we have mentioned a couple of cases where the court uh, in Milan ordered the reintegration of the workers who had been previously uh, unfairly dismissed or suspended. Um, but as, as I mentioned before, in the in the months following the release of our report, we continued to monitor those case, ongoing cases in court, and we are seeing many other workers were uh, have been successful in, in their in their struggles. Yeah, I suspect also uh, understandable that they're successful. And luckily, this is the way that jurisdiction did help them. Because in the end, uh, for me, it's un understandable and unimaginable that somebody is 
um, dismissed because he uncovers the unfair working conditions in a care home. Um, I think that's a work, well, that is a worker's right. So, and this is exactly what we're speaking about today. So uh, speaking about the unfair conditions, um, what are then the biggest fears and concerns of these health and care workers in Italian care homes specifically? Um, well, uh, while uh, docu- trying to document uh, the situation of workers in care homes, actually we, we found out a very extremely complex world <laughs> that we com- absolutely didn't expect before. Um, because the sector of care homes in Italy is characterized by a very extremely high fragmentation Uh, of contracts and collective bargaining. We could identify at least more than 40 different contracts that are signed by a variety of trade unions and organizations representing workers and employers. Um, and there is, this is also something that, of course, um, creates, let's say, obstacles uh, in a way for people to, uh, to unionize and to... Um, uh, jointly, let's say, bargain better working conditions. Mm-hmm. In general, working conditions in care homes um, are, are worse uh, than those experienced by um, peers in the, public, uh, in the public and also in the private health sectors, both in terms of um, um, compensation, in terms of salaries and in terms also of uh, working, uh, working hours. In terms of salaries, we have like wages are uh, an average of 30% higher in the public and private health sector compared to the care home sector. So the sector is not really attractive for people in in general. And there's a a very high degree of precarity. So many many employers, uh, both public and private actually, uh, make a very extensive use of outsourced workers who are employed by cooperatives, Uh, like by uh, temporary work agencies or also by self-employed uh, or self-employed uh, professionals, which are called partita IVA uh, mm-hmm. in Italy. Uh, and actually the use of outsourced work is, uh, was uh, uh, raising during the last years uh, parallel to the privatization of the sector. Um, and in general, we, we could document that outsourced workers in general have have worse conditions than, than directly employ, employees. Um, there are also, um, I mean, as every precarious sector, the care work is also highly feminized. So we have ma- more than 85% of the workers are, are, are women and tw- 12% are, are migrants. Um, and many of them are precarious workers. They work part-time or on fixed-term contracts uh, and, uh, or, or they are outsourced as well. Um, so they, among the, the concerns that those workers raised during the, in particular during the pandemic, there are many uh, that, that are they're directly linked to the, the conditions that they witnessed during, I mean, in, in the same care homes, in particular working shifts, which are more, much more exhausting than uh, in, the, in hospitals and in general in the health sector, because actually in care homes, there, there's um, uh, a kind of um, uh, minute count uh, rule, which means that every operator, every worker has a specific time that needs to devote to each patient, uh, which is almost an average of seven minutes. 
but you can understand how mm. i mean how limited uh, is at that time that course, yeah. uh, the work is uh, have, have to devote to each person and also there were of course many um many obstacles related to i mean many many issues and concerns related to health and safety uh during the pandemic in specific specific more specifically uh, not only the lack of um, personal protection equipment which was uh, uh, like a shared concern among europe but also the lack of effective health and safety protocols uh that that were also more uh, complicated because of the staff shortages um so the the lack uh, of uh, measures to protect workers and older people expose them of course to high morbidity rates which are huge although we don't have um, we don't have concrete data in particular for for care homes yeah i suspect that data on this is missing uh, of course because this is kind of a very um up to date issue and the covid-19 crisis of course like has um exaggerated the problem and the issue and probably has revealed some that the issue had already existed but has worsened the issue even like as we could see through the lack of ppe um the lack of proper health and safety protocols which were which are always important but obviously more important um in the covid-19 pandemic so i'm sure we there is more to come on data on um the disproportionate effect of covid-19 on care homes be this for the patients um or the people living there as well as the workers in this sense i'm going to pass on to Giovanna who's going to ask uh, the next four questions Uh, thank you Mira. Uh Deborah you've just mentioned actually uh difference of uh, contracts of engagement uh, in Italy in the care sector you have outsourced workers temporary agency workers self-employed workers uh so how is it possible that we have so many different contracts of engagement in Italy and what's their main difference how's their position different Um well um um they uh, actually in Italy the majority of care homes more than 73% of care homes uh um, of the more than 7000 care homes uh, are privately owned uh, the the remnant are owned and managed by public authorities but in both cases actually uh, the management of the care home has completely freedom to choose uh the, the contract that 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 they want to apply to 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 their employees um um and uh, we were absolutely not able to analyze and uh, uh, to understand uh, specific details of of the different uh, contracts because uh uh it was barely uh possible actually to uh at least uh, be able to list that there were uh, 42 uh, different contracts but also major trade unions have uh witnessed a lot of obstacles to like to map uh the the um, the different contracts that are available and existent uh what can for sure be said is that um uh the more like the most uh inconvenient contracts are the ones who are made for outsourced workers and um we can absolutely say that both private and public care homes make use of outsourced workers 
um, they um, it is in particular um, the outsourcing is but is in particular very widespread as a strategy to cope with staff shortages uh, in uh, in those care homes and um, in uh, in many cases uh, care homes they can have uh, up to 70 or maybe more percent of their staff completely externalized, outsourced to cooperatives or agencies, or um, through they, they make use of um, self-employers, even in even for professions that can absolutely not consider that as autonomous. Um, and uh, as I as I mentioned, working conditions in general are less favorable for outsourced workers. Um, that is true for working hours arrangements, but also um, but also for uh, for uh, for their rights, and um, and that was particularly true during the pandemic because outsourced workers were asked to work more. In particular, they they feel that they were considered as gap fillers, uh, so they were moved. Um, they they often had to work both in. Uh, COVID wars and non-COVID wars, um, in, uh, in many cases working with patients who were discharged by, from hospitals, as well as in wars that were uh, hosting older people who had not contracted the virus, um, due also to the very um, uh, important staff shortage, they had to work and move on different floors or even uh, among different care homes. Uh, of course, being exposed to higher uh, risk to contract the virus and with less, let's say, um, guarantee uh, of being protected also in terms of rights, sick leave, um, and so on. And um, in uh, in particular, that, that is uh, the case for self-employers self who don't always have uh, proper sick leave as, uh, as, uh, as other workers. Um, and um, we, through the, the data of the National um, Labor Inspectorate, which is the body in charge of monitoring uh, the um, working conditions and working contracts uh, in general. Um, so regarding um, self-employers, we're uh, more and more uh, used also for uh, not only for nurses, but also for care workers. Um, the National uh, Labor Inspectorate, uh, uh, through through their through its monitoring, actually um, um, identified a lot of misclassification of self-employment in care homes. Uh, so they uh, they could document that actually in care homes that the misclassification of self-employment is much more frequent than in other sectors like the health sector. And um, uh, so th th this practice is really widespread in those uh, structures, and uh, this is a this pose, poses a big concern because self-employers don't have uh, the sick leave and other and other rights uh, as uh, as workers were directly employed by by the care homes. Um, so in general. Uh, and as a general comment, uh, what the, the direct result of this fragmentation of contracts is that you have different people making absolutely in, in some in some cases absolutely the same work, but with different rights, different conditions, um, and with obstacles to join to be together and struggle together.
thank you, Deborah, uh, for clarification of this, uh, how you called it, fragmentation of uh, different contracts of engagement. It does sound very worrying. Uh, I wonder now, uh, because you mentioned uh, previously that there are um, health workers in care homes in state sector and private sector, most of them are in private sector. Do they, is there uh, any similarities between their position or do they have some different demands and different issues in state and private sector? Um, what we could uh, document through our research show that uh, there's no specific difference between condi working conditions in uh, public and private care homes. Also, in general, the pandemic was not necessarily managed, managed better in uh, public care homes. We, this is not something that we could uh, verify through our findings. Um, what is uh, what is true uh, is that there's a big difference between work, uh, care and uh, health workers in the health sector and those working in the um, in the care homes uh, sector. Um, as I mentioned before, there's a big difference between the two sectors in terms of um, in terms of salaries, in terms of working conditions, but also in terms of social value. So many many workers in care homes they say that they feel they felt and they still feel absolutely undervalued compared to their colleagues in hospitals, um, and actually they are they are really calling for a compensation in terms of public recognition, but also the the wages are are very different between the between the two sectors and this. And this was um, appeared very clearly during the pandemic because there was a, 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 an important migration from uh, from care homes to hospitals when uh, when the health sector uh, opened uh, a sort of extraordinary recruitment in uh, in March two thousand and twenty. So we don't have again specific data because there's a big issue regarding the transparency and also the care home sector in Italy doesn't have any specific database so it, it is really difficult sometimes to to tackle in details uh, such some of the issues that we have tried to document they literally escaped from the care homes uh, uh, because the economic treatment is better in the health sector but also you feel more valued and also the condition the working conditions are better in many cases the shifts are are less uh, um, brutal than uh, in care homes and um, kind of left care homes dried up and forced to rely on few nurses to grant very, very basic services in some cases, and with unbearable working shifts for those uh, who are left. Um, also because the authorities didn't put in place any uh, complementary measure to ensure that uh, care homes could have adequate, uh, adequate staffing with a um, high level of sick leaves and the extraordinary recruitment made by the hospital, the situation became uh, completely unbearable with very um, long shifts for, for the ones who were, were left. Many were, were forced to work even 16 hours per day or did night and night shifts in the same day. Um, without any the, the due um, the due rest, uh, which is of course uh, even dangerous for 
I mean, for for the people they were taking care of. Uh, thank you, Deborah. Uh, I just have one more question. Uh, you uh, mentioned now uh, how pandemic uh, affected their working conditions, but I assume that this was the issue even before pandemic. Is that true? And how has pandemic changed their uh, condition, their working condition in care homes and health sector in Italy? Yeah. The um in terms of um, for what concerns in particular the staff shortage, this was absolutely a long-standing uh, structural uh, problem in the, in the sector. Although the Italian population is one of the oldest uh, in uh, in Europe, uh, the predictions are that the uh, the population will be older, even older in the next years. Um, despite that, the number of care workers per um, 100 people uh, older than 65 years uh, in Italy is much lower than, uh, than in other in the countries uh, in Europe. Um, so in Italy we have the ratio is, uh, um, is uh, of two workers for, uh, for 100 people, while uh, the average in Europe is five workers for every uh, hundred uh, older people. Um, so the, the shortage of workers in, uh, in the care home sectors were, was absolutely something that uh, existed before the pandemic and that was only exacerbated during the, uh, during the pandemic. And due to the, um, to the factors that I was mentioning before, so the, the high rate of um, sick leaves taken by by the workers, as in many other countries, but also by the um, extraordinary recruitment done by hospitals, who really um, drove a lot of them uh, to migrate from one sector to the other, was more, more attractive uh, and better in terms of, of working condition, and also, paradoxically speaking, also uh, safer, uh, because uh, the protocols in hospitals were were more strict and uh, the PPE were also um, taken in many cases uh, from care homes to hospitals. I mean, the, the care home sector was absolutely deprioritized. Yes. Um, so thank you for shedding a light on what the COVID-19 pandemic has not created, but exaggerated. And um, in some sense, luckily, we can see now what the issue is, because that issue existed before. And obviously, now the attention has risen to it, um, which as is an issue which has to be tackled. Um, I would like to ask you, while uh, speaking about tackling the issue, what should the Italian government do um, to address this issue? I know you already said before, that it was uh, publicly recognized um, that um, that firing or dismissing somebody because he was uncovering the unfair working conditions in care homes was not fair. Um, but what should the government specifically do in terms of policy measures um, to tackle this issue? Um, regarding this particular issue of freedom of expression and reprisals against against those workers who uh, decided to uh, denounce, to criticize the measures or the lack of measures in their care homes, uh, actually, we are asking to uh, to the Italian authorities to amend um, the the framework, the legislative framework on whistleblowing, 
because actually um, we have there's a, there's a law who, is, who was approved in uh, 2017 in Italy, uh, which guarantees um, the mechanisms, uh, safe mechanisms of um, to uh, to to send uh, let, let, concerns regarding wrongdoings uh, in the workplace, both in the private and in the public sector. But the mechanisms are different uh, in the private and in the public sector. So the private sector, which is, uh, as I mentioned before, more than 75% of care homes are private. Um, and in the private sector, we don't have this... Um, that, the mechanism doesn't. Uh, we don't have a specific uh, independent authority uh, that has uh, the responsibility to uh, to gather all the concerns of uh, of workers. And in many cases, I can say I don't have. Uh, I didn't have the possibility, of course, to document all the the situation in all the seven thousand care homes in Italy. But I can say. That in in the majority of cases, those even private uh, care homes, they don't have absolutely any mechanism in place uh, to make their workers um, um, send uh, complaints in a safe and private uh, way. Uh, so we are asking the government to um, to ensure that the whistleblowing mechanism is in place both in the private and the public sector. In particular, providing strong guarantees of confidentiality and independence. Um, we know there's there's a EU, EU directive that Italy <coughs> needed to um, implement in the national legislation before the end of 2021, but that was not uh, yet adopted by the Italian authorities. So this is urgent because the the EU directive is asking all the um, companies with more than than 50 employees to put in place actually those uh, safe um, mechanisms of whistleblowing. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are also asking, calling on the Italian authorities on something very important, which is um, to establish a commission of inquiry. Uh, we know that uh, around care homes, both for patients and for workers, there are many judicial investigations ongoing. Uh, many of them um, have been closed in recent months. Um, but parallelly to those investigations, we really believe that it will be really important to have an independent public inquiry um, to, uh, that, whose aim should be to really examine um, and analyze uh, in depth the general response of uh, the Italian authorities to the pandemic uh, and with the framework and approach, a human rights, a human rights approach. We have been calling for this uh, public inquiry uh, since the launch of the first report, summer 2020. And we kind of extend some of our requests also regarding uh, workers' rights after the second report. Uh, it is really important to um, to do such an investigation to shed light on what didn't work and also to kind of learn lessons on what went wrong and maybe not to repeat the same mistakes in the future because, I mean, we are still in the middle of the pandemic and 
Thank you for that. Um, yes, I, um, I, I'm surprised by the uh, demands you have, and that's a great demand. Um, and I think they're very, like the, as a commission of inquiry, I think that's um, um, something that you can maybe see as demands in many countries um, of examining the national response to the COVID-19 crisis. And it's, I think, of great importance to learn from this, as you said, because I'm sure there are other issues going to come um, with the antimicrobial resistance, um, that could be a coming pandemic and a pandemic an issue so we need to prepare for that i was wanting to ask you um how what what how do you think should the uh, italian government tackle the issue of the prioritization of um the health sector and then be above the care um sector because as you said italy is one of the old oldest populations in europe and the entire continent of Europe is aging. So how do you think should a government, specifically the Italian government in this case, react uh, to this prioritization of the healthcare sector uh, above the care sector? Um, I think if there's something positive about all what happened in uh, care homes during this pandemic, which is absolutely tra tragic in terms of mortality, morbidity and everything, is the fact that those uh, structures that were already witnessing very uh, precarious and difficult situations, but uh, completely in the shadow, uh, were at least um, more visible um, uh, during the, I mean, through the pandemic. So many people got to know that those care homes had a lot of concerns, thanks to, <laughs> I mean, thanks to the pandemic. Uh, but this is important because also um, after following the launch of our um, first and then second report, we had the chance to talk and discuss with many MPs. Um, and we understood that actually the, there, was, um, there was no awareness regarding uh, how the situation was in those care homes. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I'm saying if we, if we want to see something positive about all that um, is the, the more visibility that those uh, structures gained. Uh, and also with the visibility, also the need to change the system um, for one of the weakest uh, segments of the society, of our society. Um, and uh, the government is already trying to tackle the long-term, uh, let's say, problem uh, of uh, the healthcare sector. There was a commission who was put in place to reform the whole sector where we didn't really input those com this commission because it is... It, it, is, it will go a little bit far beyond our capacity and also our mission, but we try to input with some human rights, uh, um, some human rights principles and some uh, like uh, conclusions regarding our our previous reports. Um, it is hard to respond to your question about how the government should tackle this um, because I think that the response should be on um, working on better, um, a better combination of uh, home care assistance and better structures and, um, um, I mean, another way of conceiving those care homes um, in a way 
the uh, the work. I mean, how the workers are treated and their conditions in those structures should be absolutely completely reviewed. Uh, and those workers, because the majority of workers that we met uh, and we got to interview during our research were very, very, very passionate about their work. And they, um, I think they should be absolutely um, more valued, uh, not only socially speaking, but also uh, in terms of conditions. And uh, they they will be for sure better equipped to um, to respond to the needs of older people. And um, uh, but so I think there's a, there's an issue of better combining how uh, home assistance and care homes uh, and the structure of care homes that should be completely reviewed. Um, but uh, it will be it will take time. Uh, mm. But as I said, maybe something is something something changed in terms of public awareness regarding um, these structures. Yes, definitely. I think uh, to um, it's not surprising to me that this issue of um, bad working conditions, as well as um, rather people being not satisfied with um the way their work is recognized um is wasn't wasn't an issue uh, in the government's heads wasn't the thing uh, that they knew about but in that sense we can say if something was positive then COVID-19 has shed a light on many issues that there were so um I would like to ask you more specifically to the campaign and coming to the end of the podcast, what do you hope to achieve with um, with your campaign, with the reports that you've launched? Um, and has there been any positive development uh, since you've launched the report? So since we launched the report, we we had uh, so we we launched an online petition, which is uh, which is still active, uh, where we are calling on the Italian authorities to take measures uh, as soon as possible uh, to grant uh, better rights to uh, older people and uh, workers in care homes. The petition is still online, so um, it would be amazing if more people could sign it. Um, we are also reaching, we are doing a lot of institutional reach out and we had a lot of meetings with MPs, with the commission, with several commissions of the Senate uh, and the Parliament in general. And um, I think what, what, what is positive about this work is that, uh, as mentioned before, we uh, maybe Uh, managed to uh, raise a little bit of awareness of many um, many of our uh, um, MPs uh, regarding uh, how um, regarding the, concern, the, the the serious concerns that we had uh, um, regarding the rights of um, uh, workers and uh, uh, older people. And this was also uh, one of our aim, uh, apart beyond the, the specific demands that we had for for authorities. Uh, I mean, we are con we, we still continue to call on um, the Italian Parliament to uh, to put in place to establish a commission of inquiry. While, although we we know that this will be um, difficult to achieve and also even more difficult if the time goes, if, I mean, with the time passing by because uh, 
uh, we, uh, I mean, it's already two years after the start of the pandemic and nothing happened in this sense. Mm. And it will be uh, even more difficult to document what happened if the, I mean, uh, in the coming in the coming months. Mm. Um, but beyond this, we we wanted also to achieve. Um, we were we we wanted also to we were aiming also to uh, increase the visibility of those structures uh, because we um, that was a particular demand both by the families uh, of older people who are still I mean who died during the pandemic or those who are still uh, in uh, living in care homes and that are really struggling to um, to shed light on their demands on the on the demand I mean uh, on the need of justice and truth regarding uh, what happened during the pandemic and how the pandemic was managed mm -hmm. um, uh, many workers also we are trying to accompany many uh, families and also many workers in their uh, demands of struggle uh, in their demands of uh, justice and truth and um, I think it, it I mean, we managed to to raise awareness in general uh, for for the general public and politicians regarding that, mm. and this is already something. Yes, exactly. Um, I do think um, that's that. Well, raising awareness is obviously the first step towards change. Um, and even if the COVID nineteen pandemic has uncovered the issues um, that exist in the care sector, it's important that groups like Amnesty Italy and Udebara uh, raise awareness for the issue, liaise with policymakers, um, in order to um, put this issue on the policy agenda in Italy. So um, thank you for pointing out to your petition. Could I just shortly ask you what the timeline on the petition is? The petition will be uh, will be still active until we didn't still decide when the petition mm -hmm. will be over. But I think in the next couple of months, we are aiming to present the signatures to the competent authorities. And uh, we we also have a couple of surprises to relaunch the petition in the next weeks, mm -hmm. and we aim to gather the, as, as much as the more possible uh, signatures in the next couple of months. That sounds good. Um, in that sense, I'm definitely gonna. Um, uh, link the petition below the podcast or in the podcast description so that our listeners can help and sign the petition um, based on this issue. Um, so I think this brings us to the end of our podcast and of our interview with you, Deborah, today. Um, I, I think this was a great uh, ex exchange between um, us, Joanna and me and you on the issue of uh, care and health workers in Italy. We saw that Italy um, is one of the oldest countries in the EU. But of course, this is an issue which will have to, which probably exists in many European countries as we see the European population aging. So it's an overall issue, which I think should not where Italy is a case study, or Austria in our different report and uh, our different podcast, which will come out, but which probably exists everywhere in every European country. The European population is aging. The care sector is more important than ever. However, they receive less re uh, less recognition for their work, which has led to a shift from the care sector to the healthcare sector. And besides this less recognition for the work, there are precarious working conditions in the care sector, which obviously have 
uh, risen attention um, during the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, the, the horrifying amount of people who died in care homes due to the lack of safety measures. Um, and obviously that's horrible. That's, that's really sad for the people, the, the families, but also very terrifying for the people who work there. So um, in some sense, there's really urgency to tackle this issue and to create better working conditions and care homes, make them more attractive because these are jobs that we need in the future. Um, so in this sense, uh, I would like to once again, uh, call on our listeners to sign the petition of Amnesty Italy and to also uh, raise awareness for the issue among uh, national groups, uh, among your groups in the areas, maybe do inquiries in your uh, national um, uh, country on if it's the same issue. Um, and yes, um, thank you very much for the contribution of the both of you. Thank you, Mira. Thank you, Deborah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mira and Giovanna. It was a pleasure. Mm -hmm.